0: This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Today on the show, we will cover these topics. Science. Sports. Expressions. We'll open up the mailbag with a brand new email address. And explore the world of animals. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5. Totally Useless Information. It's everything you never needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Get your burners ready. I, I was a
1: moron. Bunsen was a jerk. He equals nothing it's science.
0: Science, science. I have to check that out one day. We'll, who invented the Bunsen burner? Some guy named Bunsen, I guess. It better be, because otherwise, why the hell would they call it that? While you're sleeping <laughs> <sneaking? laughs> while you're sleeping
1: <laughs> while you're sleeping on your sniping on your snaptress.
0: Yes, uh, I have a little bump. Uh, we cannot sneeze while we're sleeping. We actually will be more, we are more prone to sneezing during our sleep, you think, because the mucous membranes, they swell when we lie down, but that makes them more sensitive. But there usually isn't as much airflow or movement to stir up the irritating particles so they aren't as exposed to the stimulants. Mm. So while we're awake, however, particles or allergens or an illness can stimulate the nerve cells in your nose. And the nerves then send a signal to the brain in order to initiate a sneeze to get rid of whatever it is irritating it. So we cannot sneeze when we sleep. Or snipe. Or (laughs) snipe. The
1: average human carries 10 times more bacteria cells in their body than they do human cells. So we have 10 times more bacteria than actual human cells. So we are literally walking Petri
0: dishes. Yes. <laughs> another, another question. Was a guy named Jim Petri that invented the Petri dish? and was he good friends with Bunsen burner? I'm going to go to Snape. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to outer space. Sunset on Mars, the red planet. The sunsets on the red planet are blue. The colors come from the fact that the very fine dust is just the right size so that the blue light penetrates the atmosphere slightly more efficiently. This is according to Mark Lemon. (laughs) Mark Lemon talks about blue light. A science team member of NASA's Curiosity Mars rover mission. So when the blue light scatters off the dust, it stays closer to the direction of the sun than the light of other color does. So that's why blue kind of penetrates through on the red planet.
1: If that assistant Mark had an uh, somebody working with him like an aide, would they be known as lemonade?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are eight times as many atoms in a teaspoon of water than there are teaspoons of water in the Atlantic Ocean. Isn't that deep? That's so zen. <laughs>
0: How deep is it?
1: Now think about that. There are eight times more atoms in one teaspoon of water than there are teaspoons of water in the entire Atlantic Ocean. That's I had to say it twice because it was so cool. But how crazy is that?
0: How many teaspoons? Here's my question: How many teaspoons of Eve are there in oceans? How many
1: teaspoons of what?
0: Eve. Well, you have teaspoons of atoms. Bunch of atoms.
1: You need a bunch of eves.
0: So, uh, on previous episodes, we've uh, we've given you, the public, our our listenership, and we thank you for listening, of course. We've given you job opportunities. Mm -hmm. And here's a job opportunity for you. The Artemis Exploration of the Moon Project will use the most advanced space systems of the 21st century. They're going back to the moon in 2024, I believe. Mm -hmm. And including some of the most basic home comforts are needed, including a toilet. NASA. Is, is calling on the global community to help innovate a space toilet concept through what they call the Lunar Loo Challenge. Astronauts exploring on the moon will need a small and lighter, simpler toilet inside their lunar lander because every ounce of mass on the lander is carefully allocated. For example, every kilogram of mass, or 2.2 pounds, 10 kilograms of propellant is needed to descend to the lunar surface and launch back to the lunar orbit. So, they're talking about how much they need for propellant. If you're sitting on the toilet and you've had some kind of a gassy I, food, I,
1: I tell you, Nick. If if I went to the moon, they would be very sorry that they went with the smaller, lighter version because that might blow up. <laughs> Boom! You'll see it on Earth. You'll you'll see this black spot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Black streak. Is that the Milky Way? <laughs> no, it's not. The average toilet in your house weighs thirty to sixty kilograms. So yeah, around not
1: make billion. it out of
0: porcelain. Well, we'll see. Plus they have the complexities of reduced gravity and requires more components for a space toilet. Now, if you're interested in in participating in this Lunar loo challenge, visit triple W slash Lunar I tell you, that's a lot of complexities
1: because if you, if you do number two and that floats back up again because there's no gravity, how do you get rid of it? It's like shoveling sand against the tide. Wiping it is like shoveling sand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what I want to know is, so if they invent the toilet, if they eventually come up with this lunar loo, okay, yeah. would they need a like lunar plunger? No. And just think about it because what do
1: you think the toilet sees when you sit down? It sees the moon. (laughs) Okay. The average person, not meaning us, we're talking about the average person. Everyone else out there. Yeah, everyone else. Everyone else. The average person takes 7,500 steps a day. Except for me and Nick, we take about five. But then again, we're very lazy. (laughs) Yes, I'm still sleeping. So by 80 years old, you'll have walked 216,262,500 steps, give or take one or two steps. But so let's see if the Earth is... One thousand, uh, excuse me, hundred and ten thousand miles. Then let's see, ping-pong, ping-pong, five times around the world's equator. By the time you're eighty, you'll have walked around the world five times.
0: Well, I already feel my hamstrings getting tighter and tighter. Sports, play ball. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. What is the
1: largest sport in the world? And it requires um, catching.
0: You mean the, the largest, uh, the, the most popular sport? Yeah,
1: okay, I mean, let, let, I mean, you have, uh, I shouldn't have said requires catching first, but you have soccer, you have baseball, you have tennis. You think of those as world sports, right? Soccer, baseball, tennis. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But this sport requires catching, and it is the number one sport played in the world.
0: Well, I'm looking at the studio audience, and they're all like mouthing it to me. They're saying baseball, because you you catch in baseball. Baseball's the answer. Is that right?
1: Not even close. It's fishing, and it requires catching. Fishing is a sport. It is the... it requires you to catch a fish okay wow (laughs) but it is the number one sport in the entire world by millions by the millions so the number one sport is sport fishing
0: well thanks a lot studio audience for leading me down the wrong path thank you that's the last time i'll average
1: that's the average people you asked the wrong people
0: that's right (laughs) you're angling for a beating in the american league your very favorite sport in baseball right In in the American League in baseball, there's what's called the designated hitter rule. Okay, don't worry. This will be, this fact will, will take less time than an average baseball game. You'll be okay. So, the designated hitter rule applies in the American League. In the National League, the pitcher bats. In 1986, a player by the name of Danny Heap became the first player in a World Series to be a designated hitter with the initials DH. Danny Heap was the DH in the 1986 World Series, the first player ever to have those same initials, DH. That's about as exciting as as baseball. baseball. Thanks for that one, Nick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the Philippines, the Philippines Hmm. is the most consistent country in the Olympics when it comes to winning gold medals. Because they never won one. (laughs) (laughs) The Philippines has been in like 17 world games and they never won a gold medal. Okay. That's funny. But um, their whole motto is if you don't succeed, try, try and then do customer service. Because all the whole world's customer services in the philippines you call up you call up the television thing you go you go hi where am i calling they're like a texas you're like you're not texas i can hear you're a philippine but anyway having said that Liechtenstein, and you have to say that with a german accent it's like when you say spanish things you're supposed to say latina Right. I don't know why, but you're supposed to. Okay. Yeah. But you okay. can't help. Say the word Liechtenstein.
0: Liechtenstein. I just spit all over the microphone. <laughs> you, have
1: to, you have to say Liechtenstein. Okay. But right. Liechtenstein, they're even more consistent because those crazy bastards have been 15 Olympics and never won any medals at all. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem, I think. Is that most of the sports people from from Liechtenstein are all drunks because they don't just drink the beer; they lick the stein. I don't know done. why uh,
0: the Liechtenstein <laughs> team doesn't win anything. They probably had Filipino coaches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very very sorry
1: for what happened to you. That's what they all say. I, I have a little problem. I'm very sorry. What are you sorry about? You don't even know what the problem is. Piles or what? Maybe I have piles.
0: Um, so um i what i wrote here is that's a lot of love and here's why the longest tennis match see love get that scoring okay nick (laughs) i love it the longest tennis (laughs) yes he does he does a lot of loving the longest tennis match took place in 2010 at wimbledon not wimbledon John Eisner of the United States beat Nicolas Mahout of France, your favorite people, mm-hmm. in a match that lasted 11 hours and 5 minutes that took 3 days to complete. Mm-hmm. In 2010 at Wimbledon, the longest tennis match.
1: Yeah, if you're going to beat the French, <laughs> take 3 days to do it. That was interesting, Nick, not like your first one. but <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Babe Ruth, we all know Babe Ruth, right? I mean, I hate baseball, yes. but... I know Babe Ruth. He's the king of baseball, isn't he? He only won four World Series in 15 seasons. Now, that's a pretty big accomplishment, you know. I mean, four World Series, and he won them all for the Yankees. But get this one. Yogi Berra won 13 World Series in 18 seasons. What a record that is. This guy was pissed <laughs> if he didn't win well, the thank World But back when he wasn't on
0: the <laughs> Filipino Olympic team. He'd really be pissed off. Toronto is where I live. Yeah, exactly. And Toronto, <laughs> apparently, according to uh, some sports uh, historians, Babe Ruth has hit his very first professional home run at a stadium here in Toronto that's right by the lake. So that was a place called Hanlon's Point. Hanlon's Point right now yeah. is a nudist beach. So, if Babe Ruth in his first professional home run, where Hanlon's point is right now, the mm. noose beat.
1: You might be able to find.
0: I was going to say, technically. You, you balls might be are able still... to find the ball there. <laughs> I was going to say balls that balls technically, you stole my punchline. You can't do that. The punchline is. <laughs> Should I go on with it? Okay, here's the punchline. You're... Technically, balls are still mm-hmm. flying there. Mm-hmm. It's like a damn sausage fest. the sultan of sausage babe ruth (laughs) have you ever flown a kite i I love i used to love that as as a kid my grandfather i've been told by some ladies to go fly a kite (laughs) you're in thailand (laughs) kite flying i have to say that carefully before i get a lawsuit happening Mm -hmm. kite flying is a professional sport in Thailand. Mm. In Thailand, kite flying is not just a casual attempt to see how high it could be made to soar into the sky. It is an ancient sport dignified by rules and regulations and a heritage involving everyone from kings to commoners. Mm. Yeah. Professional kite. I've seen it. I've seen it. And it's amazing how they're working
1: out before they let the kite go. They're just pumping iron. (laughs) professional kite flying is worse than baseball (laughs) right
0: (laughs) coming up later on in the show we'll open up the mailbag with a brand new email address excited about that and animals where do expressions come from we want to know right now when someone says to you i have something that's in mint condition or they're trying to sell a car it's in mint condition Where did the expression mint condition come from? I guess they coined that phrase. They did coin the (laughs) phrase. Originally, the phrase related to the way collectors describe the condition of coins. Mm. As the name given to a coin factory is a mint, then mint condition is the condition of a coin, what it is, when it leaves the mint. In mint condition, brand spanking new. Yeah, that's cool. You know...
1: I went to the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia when I was a kid. And I actually still have the coin that they struck in front of me, which is really cool. It's Not worth anything. Yeah. You don't even have pennies anymore in Canada.
0: (laughs) Penny for your thoughts? Well, we don't have any uh, thoughts or (laughs) pennies. Both. Okay. You know what? I always like to get a piece of the action.
1: A piece of the action. (laughs)
0: how is she doing
1: that's yeah, cool yeah i know it's a dutch phrase and during the spice trades of the night of the 1960s yeah sure <laughs> the old spice trades in the 1960s what the 1960s civil rights and the spice trade no okay so it was the spice trade of the 1600s there was big big money floating around because the spices were all the rage and everybody wanted spices so there was big money so banks would front the money for the big shipments with certificates of payment. These certificates made made they were made of groups or pieces. So the captain would say if they said well you've got a large shipment here he'd say yeah but the bank has a piece of the action.
0: Very nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. When you uh, think of Hollywood, sometimes some of the uh, many uh, ways that people describe Hollywood, one of them is Tinseltown. Why is Hollywood called Tinseltown? The city is sometimes called Tinseltown because the nickname, as we know it, comes from the shiny, bright, and often unreal nature of Hollywood and the movie industry. So Hollywood became known as Tinseltown and the dream factory because of the glittering image of the movie industry industry Tintletown.: you mean everything i see on tv isn't real even you know what even reality tv isn't real mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal, yes. okay but with you nick i
1: can't get a word in edgewise mm. hmm. it could be edgewise or edgeways either one some people say can't okay. get a word in edgeways but i say can't get a word in edgewise it's from the 19th century, UK, it's from England. And the, the, it was an nautical term to run the gap of wind and find the edge of the wind so that you could then go in different directions to try to catch the wind. So you were changing directions. So the term means to try to find that gap to get into, to get, catch the wind. So they just used it to say, I got to find that gap to get a word in. So it's get a word in edgewise.
0: Very nice. I like that one. So um, we've all heard the expression an earworm. You hear a song and it's like an earworm. You just can't get it out of your head. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. Another earworm, another example of an earworm is. I was a moron. Newton was a jerk. He equals nothing
1: in science, science, science.
0: So an earworm is a centuries-old English term, but the word first referred to the earwig later, maybe it was um, bald ears, I don't know. An earwig, later it was referred to a destructive pest known to infest ears of corn. Mm. Meanwhile, Germans started using the parallel word orworm to refer to an infectious tune. Mm. These songs now are called earworms.
1: Oh, so the earworm was in Liechtenstein. <laughs> expressions come from? We want to know right now.
0: See, now you have that in your head all day long. Okay. It's an earworm. You're so welcome.
1: That 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 was good. See, that was folks. Where can you get this information for free? You pay colleges millions of dollars they make every year to tell you things that you'll never use, like geometry. And, and and important things like that but but our stuff's
0: important too <laughs> useless okay that's why it's totally useless information with Nick and Roy it's totally useless
1: it is useless and and we love it and 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 we me and Nick like to eat al fresco al fresco
0: I'm wearing underwear well
1: Nick you speak Italian correct yes okay I speak yes. German from Liechtenstein. <laughs> no, but but you
0: speak Italian <laughs> I I speak in Italian from Roma. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so uh, now Nick, al fresco in Italian doesn't mean to eat outside or outside. Oh. It means the actual translation is in the fresh, not flesh, in the fresh. And the reason that the word was made was because the painters of the time were all painting frescoes and they had to put the plaster on and then paint the plaster while the plaster was wet for the paint to soak into the plaster so that it would have longevity and last thousands of years. So when the paint was wet and ready to be painted, they'd say it was al fresco, which means in the fresh. Why the hell we say it, nobody knows. But some stupid person who thought that they knew Italian didn't, and it stuck. So now we say al fresco, meaning... Outdoors. Eat outdoors.
0: Yes. Okay. Y- you know whose fault it is? Some guy named Al I blame the French Al Fresco. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, of course you blame the French for an Italian It, it was probably a secret agent from Liechtenstein.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he, he right here at the Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, we have a brand new mint condition email address. What is it, Nick? Useless at nickandroy.com useless at nickandroy.com that's right because we got lots of people complaining they've emailed us and told us that they had a difficult time spelling t-u-i so we said you know what we're going to simplify it and it's useless at nickandroy.com and if you send us your email we may read your email here on the show
1: what's in the mailbag what's in the mail It doesn't get much easier than useless at nickandroy.com.
0: Right. Useless at nickandroy.com. See, now we're going to make that email address an earworm. Sandra from Fort Lee, New Jersey writes, Dear Nick and Roy, our family loves your show. You guys are hilarious. We learn a lot. The kids love how you guys seem to be having a good time. Yeah, but what the kids know? <laughs> Here's the question. Why do we call the trunk of a car a trunk? North Americans use the word trunk because up until the 1930s, most drivers used to strap travel chests called trunks to the backs of their cars. Of course, once automakers started designing cars with built-in rear compartments, there were no longer any reasons to travel with trunks, but the name, however, stuck. Trunk. So there you go. Sandra from Fort Lee, New Jersey. Yes, they would put trunks and I know a lot about automobiles, but they
1: would put trunks on the back of them. But they started right. putting metal like almost metal trunks on the Fords mm-hmm. because Ford was looking for a cheap way to put a trunk on the back of the of the vehicle and at the time the black plague had just finished and millions of children were dying. And they made coffins for the children. He purchased all the surplus coffins that the United States government had bought. They were all black and they were all made with a, of a metal finish on the outside. And he mounted them to the back of the cars. So right now, if you buy a certain Ford that has one of those on it, it's very, very, it's very collectible.
0: There so. you go. See, that's why we tell you, you listen, you laugh, yes. and you learn. Yes.
1: Well, my mailbag. And I'm sorry I went on about that. But I thought it was interesting. And I thought people needed to know this. It's urgent. <laughs> of course it is. It's useless. <laughs> you know, in Europe, they don't call it the trunk. They call it the boot. Harriet in Montana. Very strange, too. Two, we had about four or five uh, women sending emails in. And and that's great because we we have a large male audience. But we're starting to get lots of ladies listening to the show. Hey, hear me, ladies? Okay, so. Hello, Harriet in Montana. Okay. She says, your show has taught me more than I learned in school. Boy, so much for the schools in Montana. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. What a horrible <laughs> education system. Don't send your kids there, Harriet. So, Harriet, um, so this is for you. Ready? Dun, 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 dun. Harriet from Montana. Come up and get your diploma from the TUI University of Totally Useless Information. Dom, Dum, Dum, dum dum. dum.
0: <laughs> yes, you'll be the useless Victorian.
1: But but Harriet is learning a lot from us. And thank you for your email. And now send your emails to
0: Useless at Nick and What's in the mail?
1: That was the longest mailbag of all times. (laughs) Animals. 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 Crazy animals.
0: You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And
1: polar bears, Mm -hmm. polar bears have no natural predator. So they have nothing to worry about. Okay, but get this one now. Polar bears, how fast do you think they can run?
0: I'm trying to think of the last time anybody raced a polar bear. Um, I would say, I don't know, 15 miles an hour.
1: Okay, so I, I, I bicycle, and there's the, the speed trap in my community, and every time I ride by it, it's like 13, 14. I, I try to speed up. I, the, the most I've ever gotten was 17 miles an hour. These damn polar bears can run these big, massive bears 30 miles an hour. Now, think about Ooh. this. They're 30 miles an hour, this big, huge animal. They have no natural predator. So what the hell are they running from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're running from themselves. They're
1: like a Coca-Cola uh, commercial they need to get to. <laughs> what the
0: yes. Uh, elephants, speaking of large animals, elephants o- only use four teeth at a time when they eat. What? That's right. They use about four of their teeth at a time, not counting their tusks, okay? This allows the teeth to progress to the front of the mouth to wear down and always ensures that the elephant has fresh teeth when the ones in the front wear out. So this is much different than how humans' teeth grow, and rightfully so, I guess. So an elephant kind of uses the first four front teeth so it doesn't wear all the teeth at once, and then once they wear them down, they use the back teeth as well. Yeah quite an efficient system
1: yeah that's pretty good yeah that's pretty cool you to see how smart elephants are and they remember to use those teeth because elephants remember <laughs> yeah. norway the country that gave us well nothing
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, hold on let me just tell the people in norway it's useless at Nickaroy.com for your complaints yeah.
1: do we have any listeners from norway <laughs> probably we got them all over the world In their infinite Mm. wisdom, the Norwegians knighted a penguin. Really? They knighted a penguin. Like, you know, like Sir Elton John. Well, this was Sir Penguin now. And the best thing of all is he
0: was already dressed for the ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) He wore a tuxedo. You know, heard of tuxedos referred to as a monkey suit. So if the penguins are the ones that look like they're wearing a tuxedo, why would you call it a monkey suit?
1: Because you don't want to offend a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. No. It's Sir Penguin to you.
1: Yeah, actually, they probably wanted to give it. Do you ever go to the zoo and the monkeys throw their poop at you? You don't want to mess with yes. a monkey. You don't want to
0: piss off a monkey. Or no. would that be poop off? <laughs> <laughs> Crocodiles eat stones, and there's a purpose for this. Crocodiles don't swallow stones out of appreciation for the taste. Uh, believe me, they don't taste good. Rocks in a crocodile's stomach help crush and grate food. Rock swallowing is, is especially beneficial for crocodiles who, he, who eat whole prey, particularly animals with shells and tough bones. So a gastrolith can remain inside the stomach for many, many years. So there's a purpose for the crocodile to eat stones. Wow.
1: Wow. That's kinda like the people of Toronto, Canada with the new marijuana law. They're all stoned. <laughs> yes. Hey, look, I don't and... just make fun of one country. I hit Norway. I hit the 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 the, the friggin um it's the, the French. The French. I hit the, the the Portuguese. Now, let's talk about China. <laughs> the country, the country that brought us social injustice. There is a law in China. If you kill a panda, then you get the death penalty. Okay? Now, to me, the Chinese are seriously catching up with the French. If I didn't love their food so much, and their takeout, I would put them ahead of the French. But nope, nope. Can you imagine this country? They run people over in the streets with tanks, okay? But don't harm the panda bear.
0: I'm sorry, they run down people in the streets with what? Tanks. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, squirrels nuts get around. Woo! Millions of squirrels nuts do get around are they on that beach millions what's that are they on the babe ruth that? beach that's right at <laughs> helen's point in toronto um millions of trees are accidentally planted by squirrels mm. and here's why when they bury the nuts they forget where they hid them and so trees grow And that's because of the squirrels forgetting. You know, it's like, gee, I I, I knew, I I think it was there. I don't know where I left my nuts. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, the tree-hugging hippies say the same thing. You left them home. They're called your parents.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I'm in a bad mood today. Ah, boy, oh, boy, I'll tell you. So you know what? Well, thank goodness that this is all the time we have for this week's episode. (laughs) Otherwise, who knows what, who else, Roy, might offend today? Mm -hmm. But don't you worry, don't you fret. We will scour the internet far and wide for you to provide you more useless information for
1: next week. So in the meantime, get some Chinese food, maybe some French bread, talk to a few Portuguese. Tell a friend, we do have people in in Portugal. (laughs) (laughs) Tell a friend about the trend by sharing and subscribing. And Nick, tell them about the new feature that they can put right on their phone
0: coming soon and it could be well well, well, listen you watch out for our facebook page and also on our twitter feed and instagram feed we have a brand new app that's going to be coming out soon so that you can take us wherever you go we will follow you wherever you go Mm -hmm. because when you need totally useless information we're right there for you so stay tuned for that i'm nick and i'm roy thanks for listening